Hello, Molo, Sawbona, Jumbo, and welcome to Every Nation Durban. We are part of a global family of churches with the purpose to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. You can find us in big cities like London, New York, Paris and Joburg. You can also find us in nations like Bangladesh, Botswana, China and even Hawaii. In Durban, we have a local vision of being a healthy church that starts other healthy churches. Our mission is reach, disciple, impact. We want to reach every person, every campus, and every nation. Join this mission to honor God and advance His kingdom. Come on. Is everybody good this morning? You well? Are you hungry for the Lord? I think I'm a bit loud there, Tando, if you wouldn't mind dropping me just a little bit. Thanks. Are you hungry for the Lord this morning? Come on. Well, He is here. He is in our midst. And it's just the most crazy, amazing thing that we can actually come before a holy God and bring an offering of praise. Without Jesus, we wouldn't even be able to do that, guys. Without that mercy, without that love, we wouldn't even be able just to come into his presence that we like we're enjoying this morning and just enjoy him. You know, Jesus made God safe. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That's good. He made God safe. Think about how he came down on Mount Sinai and if they, people touched the mountain, they would die. Just touch the mountain and he would die. And Jesus just made a way that we can actually go with boldness to the throne of grace. I mean, think of what Jesus has done for our lives. We're safe going to God. We're safe in His presence. We're clothed in Jesus. He's put robes of righteousness on us. (laughs) And we didn't do anything to deserve it, eh? Guys, all of us have gone astray. All of us have gone astray. None of us are worthy. There's only one who's worthy. And at the cross, he just exchanged robes with us. He was like, take my righteousness, and I'll take your sin. And he was crucified with that, so that we could go free. So we could have moments like this this morning where we could just enter in. And I just feel this morning for some of you there's just a spirit of condemnation over your life. And I feel like God just wants to break it right now. Some of you felt so unworthy coming here this morning. You don't even think you could raise your hands. I want you to know that Jesus died so that you could come in with boldness. And you could lift your hands and say... I didn't get it all right this week, God. Could you cleanse me again? Could you just wash me again? And you know what? You know it might even happen again this week, but you can come again and just say, Can you cleanse me again? Because it's a never ending grace, it never runs out. It's a river of love that just continues to wash over us. If that's you this morning, I want to break that spirit over you. We break that in Jesus' name. He has qualified you. He has called you his son, his daughter. You have access to the throne this morning. You can come before God. We drive out the spirit of condemnation, the religious spirit that would seek to make us perform before God and seek to earn our way into his presence. I drive you out in the name of Jesus. You are not welcome in the kingdom, in the kingdom of grace. Thank you for grace this morning, Jesus. If that was you, you can just receive right here, right now. The love of the Father is coming upon you. And He's washing you and making you whole again. Amen and amen. Well, okay. Yeah, okay. So today we're starting 40 days of praying for revival. (laughs) Yeah. So, 
I'm going to need some grace to get through this. <laughs> Woo! Um, so, yeah. So we're starting 40 days of praying for revival this morning. At tomorrow. Sorry, not this morning. <laughs> tomorrow we are starting 40 days of praying for revival. And so you can see we've got like a really amazing calendar over there. And the vision is, guys, that for the next 40 days we're going to be praying for revival. And we're going to be doing it um, at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. every evening. The idea is, you know we've got a prayer room. Does everyone know we've got a prayer room? Go out the doors, down the parking lot over here, just upstairs over here is a prayer room, a 24-7 prayer room. We've built it not only for us, but for the city of Durban. And um, it's secure, it's got cameras, the building is secure, you can come there here at any time and pray. It's got a fingerprint scanner so you can have access to it. It's a beautiful space, there's things you can pray for in there if you haven't been there yet. And, um, and the idea is that we would like somebody in the prayer room at 6am sunrise and 6pm sunset every day for 40 days. And that's like 40 days, that's two prayer slots in, in a day. And obviously it doesn't, isn't restricted to that. You can come at any other time as well. But we want somebody there at 6 a.m. and we want somebody there at 6 p.m. And if that's 40 days and there's two prayer slots every day, that's 80 prayer slots. All we need is 80 people to say, I'll take one of those. Okay? So that's the idea. And we want to encourage you Come as, a, as couples, come as pairs, come in groups, book your prayer slots. And so you're going to be able to, at the end of the service today, book a time, a date and a time to be there. And then we want to encourage you, be there. Amen? Look at somebody and say, be there. Yeah. A little sterner, be there. Yeah. Okay. Or be square. <laughs> Who remembers that one? <laughs> okay, so um, where is Rafil? Where Rafil? Where, where are you? Could you stand up for the uh, for a moment? That's the beautiful Rafil. Where um, and uh, she's going to be here at the end of the service, and and you can go and book with her. Okay, and then if you are not registered yet with the prayer room, in other words, you haven't got your fingerprint scanned to get in there, you have to give us your ID number. We want to control access to that room and uh, and scan your fingerprint and register you and you can do that at the end of the service as well Nosisa would you mind please standing up Mrs. Mrs. Mflungu at the back over there she will be outside at the end of the service by the prayer room door with Lebo Lebo are you also here this morning yeah, can stand up. There's Lebo, the beautiful Lebo this morning. Isn't it wonderful to have so many women in our church serving God and leading and doing so well? We honor you. We love you. We appreciate you. Um, they will be at the prayer room door and, and they will be taking your fingerprints and helping you register if you haven't yet. Why one hour? Well, in Matthew 26, Jesus said, could you not have watched with me for one hour? to his disciples so we kind of figure okay let's just we're going to do an hour alright um, what are you going to do in your hour you're going to pray for revival how do you pray for revival I'm going to spend the rest of the sermon telling you <laughs> Okay. Today I want to talk about what is revival so that you are equipped to pray for revival when you go there and spend your hour with the Lord and having an amazing time in his presence um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. But I want to encourage you that the next 40 days is not just about you maybe going to the prayer room once or twice. The next 40 days, as a, as a spiritual family, we want to press in to the Lord. And I want to encourage you just to sanctify in your heart the next 40 days. Like, don't just be a spectator or even a random participator. But I, would I want to encourage you, set aside the next 40 days in your heart, in your life. Go before the Lord. I mean, maybe we'll have a little time this morning even, just for you to think about how can you make the next 40 days special with God? What can you do? Maybe it's fasting. Maybe it's more prayer. Maybe it's waking up an hour earlier. Maybe it's dedicating yourself to a Bible reading plan uh, to help you pray for revival. I've compiled 40 devotions on revival, something I did actually last year, so it's a bit last year-ish, all right, but it's still relevant, okay? I went on a study of revival last year, and, and, and I put these like little seven-minute devotions together. They're going to be coming out every morning at 5 a.m. on our SoundCloud 
podcast. So every morning for the next 40 mornings at 5 a.m., there's, a, there's going to be a little devotional, just something to help you think about and pray for revival. But maybe that's something you want to tap into in the next 40 days. Um, let's, let's trust God together as a spiritual family that the next 40 days are going to be significant for us, significant for your life, that we're going to experience God in, in new and amazing and beautiful ways. Amen. All right, <clears throat> so let's talk about revival. So what is revival? Well, the word revive means to bring back to life, consciousness or strength. When, when something, it's two words actually, re and vive, and you put them together and it's bring back. Re means do again or bring back. Vive is, speaks about life or abounding life. And so you put them, back, put them together and it's bring back to life or abounding life. So when something is viving, that's not an English word, all right, it's abounding with life, okay? And, um, and you've probably experienced a reviving in your life. Can you ever remember a time maybe where you were physically revived? Like, I, I remember this one time I was uh, stung by multiple blue bottles in the ocean and I had an allergic reaction and went to the emergency ward and they gave me an, an, an adrenaline injection. Anybody had an adrenaline injection? <laughs> wow. I literally jumped out of that bed and like wanted to run around that ward because <laughs> that thing brought me back from like you know really struggling with life to to literally like I was ready for the comrades in that moment so like I could not tell you how amazing that was it was it revived me some of you know what I'm talking about you you stumble out of your bed in the morning and it's dark and it's cold and you know you have to get up and you don't want to get up and the first thing you know you need to do is walk over to that kettle and turn it on and get that cup of coffee to what? Revive you. Who are the coffee revivers here this morning? Yeah, all right, okay. And, um, and I think about Sam, uh, uh, Jonathan in 1 Samuel 14 where he was exhausted from fighting all day and he took his stick and he dipped it in some honey and he, and he put it to his mouth and the Bible says that his eyes alightened. He, he came alive. It revived him. So in its simple, simplest definition, spiritual revival is the life of God coming to humanity or humanity coming alive to God. But let's unpack it some more. I've got two definitions I want to share with you. Here are two. Some have defined revival as this, an extraordinary outpouring, outpouring of the Holy Spirit, reviving the church and drawing the last. Doesn't that sound good? Someone said, it is a divine assault on society, invigorating the church and converting sinners. And I love these two definitions of revival because they encapsulate, I feel like, what it is in its simplest form. What it, I mean, it's, you could, it's multivaried. We could spend all day unpacking revival, okay? But, but this kind of, these two quotes, they kind of narrow it down for us of what a revival actually is. And so I would like you to really grasp this because I would like us to have one language as we go into the prayer room this, this, these next 40 days. I'd like us to understand when, if I had to ask you what revival is, is, or if I come to JR and ask what JR says about revival, Trish or whatever, that we would all know what we're talking about when we say revival. So it's an extraordinary outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Extraordinary. Okay, we're not talking about the ordinary. We're not talking about that, just that something that's, that's we kind of familiar with, that presence of God in our services. We're talking about something over and above that. It's an extraordinary outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And what does it do? It revives the church. The church comes back to life and the lost come in. I love the way they say it's a divine assault on society. 
It's like God coming and attacking the world with his presence and his love and his mercy. And what happens is the church gets invigorated and sinners are converted. So when I look at these definitions, what I see is there's actually three key indicators of revival. And here they are. Number one, a revival is God coming near. Number two, it's the church coming alive. And number three, it's the lost getting saved. Can you say those three things? It's God coming near, the church coming alive, and... Can you test the person next to you and say, what is revival? And get an answer. What is revival? It's... Don't just point at the board and say what the board says. <laughs> it's God coming near. It's the church coming alive. And it's the lost getting saved. Come on. All right, so that is revival. That's what a revival... Don't you want that? Come on. Okay, so I'm going to just talk around those three things this morning. God coming near, firstly. So the first thing we need to understand about revival is this. Revival is a move of God. It's not man getting himself amped up, organized, motivated, hyped up, spiritualized, and going out and doing something, okay? It's God himself coming down. It's God coming near. And it's, when, we say, when we talk about God coming near, we're not talking about some impersonal energy source or some sort of power or something like that. What we're talking about is the third person of the Trinity. We're talking about God, the Holy Spirit, coming near. When we talk about revival, what we're doing is we're identifying that it is God, the Holy Spirit, coming near in an extraordinary way. When we're praying for revival, we are praying Isaiah 64 and verse 1. Tabs, are you still here? Come, come read it again. Come read that, that scripture. She read it this morning. Clearly flowing. <laughs> no, from yours. Yeah, come on up here. Sorry. I know, I always do that. Apologies. A lot of you are looking at her going, yeah, he always does that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Isaiah 64. You can take your mask off. Yeah. Oh, oh, that you would rain the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence. Mm. Yeah, one more. Okay. When you did awesome things that we... that we did not look for. Yeah. You came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No mm. eye has seen a God besides you Come who on. acts for those who wait for him. Mm. Isn't that good? Isaiah 64. I think that could be a good scripture to bring into the prayer room in the next 40 days. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down. Mountains shaking speaks about strongholds breaking. Talks about addictions coming off people. It's talking about possessions being broken. Demonic oppression. It's talking about obstacles like healings needed. Mountains shaking speaks about everything that's in the way of God's purpose in our lives. Shaking, melting like wax before the Lord. People, that's revival. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down. 
Rend the heavens, come down, that you would come down. The cry of revival is that you, God the Holy Spirit, would come down. When it talks about rending the heavens, that word rend means literally rip open, tear apart. And what we know from the New Testament, this is Old Testament scripture, but what we know from the New Testament is that the heavenly places are a place of battle. The heavenly places are where principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and 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 hosts, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. It talks about in Ephesians. And, and, and so what happens is because of sin over the land, demonic powers set up principalities over cities and they literally take ownership of areas. And the areas become so dark. There's, you can go into certain areas and you can just know there's darkness there, man. It's just like, it just feels, it's a bright sunny day, but there's darkness there. There's fear there. There's torment there. There's poverty there. There's sickness there. It's because of like principalities and powers. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against these things. And what happens is they set up thrones and they set up dominion over areas and the areas become so dark and the people don't know the life of God. They don't know the love of God. All they know is demonic oppression. All they know is what the, what the enemy is doing in their lives and how he's ripping their marriage or their family apart. And there's just so much stuff going on. And the cry of revival is, oh God, that you would address those principalities, that you would address those powers with your mighty power, that you would rend those heavens, that you would pull them open, that we might experience the light, the love, the glory, the flow of your Spirit over us. And guess what? He does it. (laughs) He does it. What was the scripture? It said in that scripture, to those who wait, to wait. The word wait means get braided together with. For those who wait on the Lord, it means to get braided together with. Girls, like you know how you braid your hair? You braid it together. For those who wrap themselves, entwine themselves, get, get so close to, get so knitted in with God. Hmm. That's, that's what we're going to do. Amen? The, the faith mission that St. Duncan Campbell did that. They decided to get braided together with God. And this is what their report was. It says, Some people gathered to seek God in prayer each day after work. (laughs) Some people. Praise God for those people. I want to be one of those people. After work each day, how do you feel after work? <laughs> I just want to hit that couch, eh? <laughs> Put something on the TV, just. <laughs> Some people gather to seek God in prayer each day after work at 6 p.m. in the prayer room. Just kidding. Sometimes they prayed right through the night till dawn. A day came. Can you say a day came? A day came when the very room was shaken, as in the days of the early church. And we were filled with the Holy Spirit, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's revival over there. I want you to look at that and know that that is possible. That is not something that is strange. In fact, that is what we see. I mean, the book of Acts is like really a story of revivals. Okay? And we've seen it for the last 2,000 years. God has done this in almost every corner of the globe with multiple different people. But it's when people get braided together with and seek Him. And then a day came. Hmm. So I want you to know this morning, when we talk about revival, like just, just so there's no confusion in our minds, there are like three dimensions to the presence of God. You have firstly the omnipresence of God, which is the fact that, you know, theologically God is everywhere omnipresent. He is everywhere. Like David said in the Psalms, even if I go down to Shaul and make my bed there, you are there. 
you know, awake at night, go and hide from your presence. He sees everything, knows everything. He beholds everything. He is omnipresent. Okay? But that doesn't necessarily change your life. That doesn't necessarily mean that you encounter him. It just means that he knows you. Then there's another dimension to the presence of God, and that is his indwelling presence. And this is what happens when you give your life to Jesus. If you haven't given your life to Jesus and you're sitting here this morning, I want to tell you, you need to do that. Is there anybody here, you want to do that? You haven't yet made a decision to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior. Just slip up your hand. And we're going to pray with you right now. And then you can enjoy the rest of the service as a child of God. Anybody came here this morning, you know you're not right with the Lord, and you know you want to give your life to Him, why don't you just raise your hand? And then we'll pray. Anybody? Going? (laughs) Going? It's important to raise your hand. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. If you can't stand for Jesus here, you won't stand for Him anywhere else. This is the easiest place. (laughs) The easiest place to say, I love Jesus. (laughs) Anybody here? No. All right, let's carry on. So what happens, so there's the omnipresence, but then there there is the indwelling presence. Okay, And this is what happens when you give your life to Jesus. The Bible says that His presence literally comes and dwells in you. Okay? There's the indwelling presence of the Lord. And the indwelling presence of the Lord is the privilege of every Christian. It's His Spirit living within us that testifies that we are children of God, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And what it means is that you can enjoy God. It means that you become the temple of God and you can enjoy His presence and have relationship with Him. However... We could be sitting in a room and you could be enjoying the indwelling presence of the Lord, but the person next to you might not be. Okay? Why? Because it's the indwelling. It's in your heart. Okay? But then there's another dimension, a third dimension to the presence of God, and that is the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God is when God's presence manifests in the natural realm. And so we see examples of this in the Old Testament when there was the pillar of fire and there was a cloud that led Israel through the Red Sea and through the wilderness. Those were manifest. There was literally like, wow, there is the presence of God. It was in a location. It was geographic. It was a, we were a, they were able to see it. It was visible. And they were able to experience it. It was tangible. This is the same as the cloud on Mount Sinai. When Solomon dedicated the temple, the Bible says that the glory of the Lord flooded into the temple, so much so that the priests could not enter and they were bowing on the, with their faces on the pavements outside. <laughs> okay? That is the manifest presence of God. Sometimes we experience that when we come together as a spiritual family. We become a temple for the living presence of God and we begin to tangibly experience God. And what happens in the manifest presence of God is that even if you don't have the indwelling presence of God and you are in the room, you experience God. When we talk about revival, what we're talking about is the manifest presence of God. Just want you to be clear about that. That's, that's what we're not talking about omni or, or we're not talking about the indwelling. We're talking about the manifest presence of God. In Azusa Street, when the revival came to Azusa Street, the literal building in which they met was glowing with fire. People used to phone the fire department and say there is a building, there's smoke coming off it and I can see fire on it at the end of the road. And the fire department would always respond and say, is that the building number? And they said, yes. They said, no, we know about that one. We go out there almost every day with phone calls. They were getting called all the time to the point where they were like, no, we know that one. That's not, that's, building is not on fire. What was that fire? What was that smoke? What were people seeing? It was the manifest presence of God in a location. When in Toronto, the, the manifest presence of God was so powerful in that small little church that people would arrive in the church, end up on the floor for days. Some of them non-believers come into the doors, end up on the floor, sometimes for days. Some people would just be paralyzed 
paralyzed in that presence for hours. Some people would weep. Some people would bounce with joy. It was, it was literally the presence of God manifesting in a particular place. And I want you to know that that's not strange. That's happened for the last 2,000 years. In fact, I want you to know this morning that God actually likes us and wants to be with us. And He wants us to enjoy His presence. And in His presence there is fullness of joy. And in His presence there is healing. In His presence there is love. In His presence there is everything. That we, what more could we ever want but His presence in our lives? Hey? That's what we're talking about when we speak about revival. When we talk about God coming near, we're talking about the manifest presence of God, the power of the Holy Spirit coming. There's a scripture in Acts 10 which says the following. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That word anointed means smeared. (laughs) Kind of like, can you imagine just wetting your hands with oil and then just smearing them on someone like that? Just smearing. That's annoying. Now we do it like gently. We just put a little dot on you, you know. But when when God anointed Jesus Christ, literally it means he soaked him. Like oil pouring down over him, anointed him. With what? With the Holy Spirit and power. Do you know that until that happened, we did not see a ministry for Jesus? Up until that moment, he grew in favor with God and man in wisdom and in stature. That's all we know about his life. But when he was clothed with power from on high and smeared, anointed with that holy presence... He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You know, this is why people pressed around Jesus just to try and touch him. This is why thousands of people left cities and went out into the wilderness and sat for hours listening to him. This is why he had to get into a boat and preach from a boat because the crowds were pressing around him. Why? Was it was like bees on honey. It was like literal just gravitating towards. What was it? It was the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit and power. It was the anointing of God. This, it, I want you to know there's nothing more desirable than that. When we sense it, when we feel it, like you just don't want to be anywhere else. You would sit there for hours. You wouldn't even care about food. That's why they ended up hungry in the wilderness and why he fed them is because they were just sitting there sometimes for days just listening. Listen to this guy, you know. Like, just get a touch, get something, what, you know, that, that, he was anointed with that. Now, can you imagine God smearing every nation, Durban? Smearing our buildings, smearing our lives, smearing us with that anointing, with that Holy Spirit. Just oil from heaven coming upon us, running over us. Can you imagine what would happen? <laughs> That is revival. So Jesus was a literal, living, walking revival. Because he was smeared. That building in Azusa Street was smeared. The one in Toronto was smeared. God smears us with his Holy Spirit. So Lord, we pray for your manifest presence. We pray for it. Unashamedly, we ask for it. We hear about it. We're looking at it. We're seeing it in Scripture. We hear about reports of it and we pray for it this morning as well. Sometimes we just feel so unworthy to even ask for it. But we just remember that, yeah, there's nothing we've ever done to earn it. Would you look on us with mercy this morning? Just us as a little church here in Durban, would you just look on us with mercy? And especially our kids, Dad. Our youth and our kids. Come and smear us, Lord. With the oil of heaven. Let it just pour over us, Lord God. Let us come alive unto you. Mm. So, it's God coming near. Secondly, it's the church coming alive. As an example, in the Zusa Street revival, this woman called Jenny Moore. Was that you? (laughs) 
<laughs> Jenny Moore, the presence of God came, the manifest presence of God came into the room and she fell off her chair and she was baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. And when she got up, she began to sing and sing like an angel. And then she walked over to the piano and she began to play it like a master pianist. And she used to sing and play that piano. And the amazing thing about it was that she had never ever learned to play the piano in her life. And I think that's a great example of the church coming alive. Um, Come on up. Yeah. That's a great example of the church coming alive. There are latent gifts, 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 gifts. <laughs> Jenny Moore is on the keyboard this morning. <laughs> there are latent gifts and abilities within you that come alive when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When you think about the early church, what happened was they... They were filled with boldness and they went out and proclaimed the gospel. Any of you struggle with boldness or courage? So when revival comes, me too, when revival comes, there's a, there's a spirit of boldness that comes. And the church comes alive. And it starts to function as it was meant to function. And marriages that were struggling and friendships that were strained and relationships that were difficult their new oil comes upon them and a unity, a heavenly unity comes upon the body. And there's this beautiful fellowship and love, but not only fellowship and love, but an outflowing of courage and boldness and powerful demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. We're such that even children go lay hands on the sick and they recover. And such that... We, people leave meetings and, and win their family, not their family, their block, not even the block, the whole neighborhood. <laughs> Philip was a deacon in the church in Jerusalem. And then revival came. And he went down to Samaria, to the cities of Samaria. And he began to preach. And there were all sorts of incredible miracles done by him. And there was great rejoicing in that city. What happened to Philip? He came alive. I want to suggest to you this morning that you have not maybe yet really fully come alive to how God intended you to be. And if there's something inside of you that desires that, then let's pray for revival. If waking up in the morning and praying seems difficult, if witnessing to your neighbor is something that you shy away from, if studying the Word is just so challenging and so tiring, and and if your life is so wrapped up in idols of Netflix and comfort and things of the world, where the things of the kingdom and the lust and the purposes of God and in the city are not really paramount in your heart, then I want to suggest we need revival. We need to come alive again. It's not about like, let's try hard or let's go, okay, I'm going to pray, wake up, alarm, coffee. No. There's a big difference between rowing a boat and sailing a boat. The Christian life is meant to be sailing a boat. Can you row a boat from here to South America? No, you couldn't. But I can tell you this, you could sail a boat past South America all the way around to Australia and back again. Because why? You're flowing with another power. And if it's become a little bit difficult for you, don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up. There's power for you. There's power for you. God wants to pour something out on your life. He wants to revive you. He wants you to go to a new level of confidence and courage with the gospel. You know, if you've ever experienced this in the past, you'll know what I'm talking about. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, man, you wake up in the morning, Shura makasi tiara mama shende. 
reading the Bible is just like, oh, food. <laughs> it's like, oh, is it breakfast? Oh, I forgot about breakfast. <laughs> There's a prayer meeting? Oh, I'm going, <laughs> you know. When revival comes, we, we come alive, we live as God intended us to be. The church comes alive to God. And when that happens, all sorts of amazing things start to happen. Missions go out. Society gets reformed. We start to stand up in the marketplace against injustice and corruption. with a supernatural courage and boldness on us. And we start to live lives of impact. Church, we could get into this room and whip ourselves and say, Reach, disciple, impact. And we can all go and try harder. But with the breath of God, that is the Christian life. And I think that's what God wants. Didn't Jesus say, Apart from me, you can do nothing? Didn't he say that? So when did we ever think we could do it without him? (laughs) And if it is a bit dry, then I want to encourage you, pray for revival. Pray for revival. Be specific in your mind. Know this, know this, know that wind can come from heaven and can fill your sail of faith and propel you in ways that you could not even imagine. In Brownsville, a a church, an Assemblies of God church in Florida, Pensacola, Florida, gave themselves to praying for that. Lord, breathe on us. (laughs) In that church, what happened was God shook the room. 5,500 people came there every night for almost six years. In that period, they had almost... Two and a half to four and a half million people come through the doors of their church. They raised in that period a hundred, almost 120 million US dollars and gave it away to missions. Because God was moving so powerfully, they were like, let's build a school where we can train missionaries and pastors. They trained in that period thousands of missionaries and pastors and they sent them to 117 nations in that period. (laughs) Could we, starting just with our skill and ability in this room, let's all pull our bank accounts, let's pull our energy, could we do that in five or six years? (laughs) Only with the breath of God. We would never be able to do that in our own strength. We would never be able to do that in our own ability. We could never accomplish that. That is the wind of God. That's what we see in the book of Acts. A bunch of disciples in an upper room, fearful, scared, filled with power. And the next thing, 3,000 people give their life to Jesus. Peter, the very guy who denied Jesus, gets up and preaches in front of that crowd. 3,000 souls added to the church. Revival is the church coming alive and functioning as it should be. It's God coming near. It's the church coming alive. And finally, it is the lost getting saved. I want you to know this morning that souls are of immense value to God. And I want you to know how valuable they are. The Bible says this, is that all of heaven rejoices when just one sinner repents. Can you imagine that? I mean, thousands upon thousands of angels. Think about all the saints of old in heaven. Somebody repents. Somebody raised their hand this morning. (laughs) And they all stop and celebrate. Why? Because heaven knows the value of a soul. Jesus wanted souls. He said, look, the, the fields are ripe unto harvest. He trained men to get his souls, he, to get souls. He said, I will make you fishers of men. In the parables that he told, the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin, what we learn is that no cost must be spared to find souls. 
In the parable of the prodigal son, the biggest party is reserved for souls that were dead and have been made alive. In the parable of the banquet, we see any soul will do. The forgotten, the broken, the poor, the destitute, the lame, the crippled, no matter what form it takes, if it's a soul, it's gladly received. The message of Scripture and the incarnation of Jesus is this, that heaven must be full of souls, no cost must be spared, even the blood of the Son of God must not be spared. So revival then is simply God getting what God wants most, and that is souls. In the Welsh revival, Evan Roberts saw 100,000 people saved in six months. Could we do that in our own strength? No, we need the wind of God. In the Korean revival of 1907, four years of revival, they saw over 300,000 Koreans giving their lives to Jesus in one particular place. In the Ulster revival in Ireland, ministers described the church as formal, cold, prayerless, worldly, and stingy. One minister said he had preached the gospel faithfully and earnestly for 11 years and it was not known to, to him that one single individual had been converted. And then they began to pray and then the Holy Spirit came and then they couldn't get people out of the churches. In the American colonies, what happened in six months was 25% of the population was converted to Christ. In 1857, there was a revival in America where the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit was so great over certain ports and cities that ships arriving to the port would arrive with sailors broken and repenting and asking for preachers. It was as though the Holy Spirit had camped over the port and just coming into it was enough for souls to get saved. At Yale University in 1802, a revival there led to one-third of the student body making a commitment to Christ. Sometimes when Charles Finney would be preaching, people would actually start to experience hell. They would see themselves in, in fire and come running in repentance to the altar, begging God for forgiveness. Whenever there's a revival, we see the lost getting saved. So when we pray for revival... We're praying for the lust. We're praying that God would calm down, that we would see our friends, our co-workers, our colleagues, our neighbors, our family members, our brothers and our sisters, our moms and dads getting saved. And when sinners get saved, all sorts of amazing things happen. Amazing things happen. Crime drops, prostitution drops, drunkenness stops, families get restored. You know, in the Welsh revival, the donkeys in the mines did not recognize the commands given to them by the miners after they got saved. The reason is because the miners used to swear at their donkeys. And their language changed when they got saved. And the donkeys were like, who are these guys? (laughs) They didn't know what to do anymore because they weren't used to any other language. Can you imagine our city for a moment? Our poverty our street kids, our drug addiction, our corruption, our crime, our brokenness, the apathy, the false religions, the wickedness. Do we think we need that in Durban? Could we do with a revival in Durban? So why does revival tarry? Well, somebody said the answer remains because we're willing to live without it. And the reason they said that was because when you look at history... Revival is not lucky, it's not random. It's always the result of Christians asking for the Holy Spirit to come near. It's always the result of Christians asking for the Holy Spirit to make them come alive again. And it's always the result of Christians asking for their friends to be saved. English preacher Sidlow Baxter said this, and I'm going to close with this. He said, I've pastored only three churches in more than 60 years of ministry. We had revival in every one, and not one of them came as a result of my preaching. They came as a result of the membership entering into a covenant to pray until revival came. And it did come every time. Revelation 21.6 says, I will give of the fountain of the water of life that's the Holy Spirit freely to him who thirsts 
And I hope I've just made you a little bit thirsty <laughs> for what is possible when God comes near. For what is possible for the church, for your life, and even for our city when we begin to pray and unite as a church and believe Him for revival. I want to encourage us, church, let's be the church. Let's be the church that sees revival. Let's be the church that's, we're going, to, we're going to go after this thing. We're going to set this as our goal. We're going to set this as our vision. We're going to set this as our plan. Let's be the church that says, I'm going to press in until I see what Scripture promises me. Amen. Can we stand? Well, actually, be free, sit, stand. I would like you just to take a moment, maybe while the worship team is going to minister. And can you just think about the next 40 days for your life? Can you just think about what sort of commitments you want to make in the next 40 days? Maybe you just want to have a moment of just reflecting on the Word, what it means for your life. Just a moment to pray, seek Him, just Take a moment and I'm going to ask Rafael if you wouldn't mind coming up <clears throat> to our board and um, and uh, thanks Asipa and then I'm going to say maybe we're just to make this a little bit easier maybe can I just say we're going to start with this side of the church if if you want to come and book an hour come chat to Rafael while we're all just worshipping and waiting on the Lord and then we'll move over to the other sections so she doesn't get bombed this morning. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm going to close for the people online. Thank you for watching us, and we'll see you again soon. (laughs) For joining Church Online today. We hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website www.endurban.org to get our bank details and zapper code. Have a safe and blessed week.